0: we're continuing our series called Practical Passages with a Christmas edition. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. Today we are looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, that says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This passage gives me so much hope. I go back to this time after time after time again. And some of you may recall that I was talking to Pastor Mike in one of our Behind the Series interviews, and I was telling him that there came a point in my life when I actually doubted this passage. It was when I was in labor with my firstborn. And I was thinking about this passage. I was in considerable pain. Of course, it was my firstborn, so I had never experienced anything like this before. And I was in considerable pain, and I thought, yeah, you have been tempted in every way, and you've experienced what we've experienced. But Jesus, you didn't experience this kind of pain, clearly, because he's not a woman. And so he never gave birth. And it only took me a couple minutes to realize that he experienced much greater pain than I ever would because he hung on a cross for my sins and not only my sins, but the sins of the whole world. So I could go to my high priest in prayer, no matter what the situation was, because he had indeed endured everything that we would ever go through. And so that was my little wake up call to remember that, the Bible is true and we can trust God. But I want to break this passage down because there's a lot in here and sometimes we just read things over super quickly and we don't really get the depth of what we're being told. So I want to start with the concept of a high priest. So first of all, there's several things to keep in mind when we're thinking about the high priest. The high priests were priests who were in the line of Aaron. So Aaron was Moses' brother. And if you remember, when God called Moses into his service, Moses said, look, I don't speak very well. And so God said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you Aaron, your brother, and he can speak for you. And so from that time on and and later as they did more and they led the people, God appointed Aaron to be the high priest. Now the high priest had to be descended from Aaron. There were Levites, which were not descended from Aaron, and they did work around the temple, but they were not the priests. What was the role of the high priest? Well, in part, a big part of his role was to go into the Holy of Holies, which was the part of the temple. It started as part of the tabernacle. Then that was the tent that the people went to to worship when they were in the wilderness before the temple was built. So the temple wasn't built until King Solomon built the temple, and that was after David. So it was after people had been established in the land of Canaan, and then you know they had a period of time of judges where nobody was ruling, and then they had Samuel who ruled the people uh, as a prophet, for years. And then the people said, hey, we want a king like all the other countries. And so God gave them Saul, and then David, and then King Solomon. And King Solomon built the temple. And in the temple, there was a part, it was called the Holy of Holies. Now, unlike our churches today, where we go in and we are, you know, in the sanctuary, and we pray and we worship and we hear things. The people were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. No one of us allowed to go into that room except the high priest once a year. And he had to bring blood. And he went there to make atonement for the people's sins. The word atonement, the best way to remember what atonement means is to think of, just to break it down, at one Atonement means to make us at one. So we have this relationship with God where our sin separates us from him. We are unable to go to him. He's holy. We're sinful. And I love to tell my kids when I was teaching Bible history back in the day, I would always tell them, look at the way that every person ever reacted when they were encountered by a holy being. So whether it was um, Samson's parents, or Gideon, or uh, Daniel, when the angel appeared to him, Mary, when the angel appeared, um, everybody was afraid. The first thing that they're told is do not be afraid. And they typically fall down or, you know, are kind of struck with fear. And that's because sinful beings cannot stand in the presence of holiness we our sinfulness is so apparent when that holiness is there and so once a year the high priest was allowed to go into this holy of holies and to present the blood on behalf of the people to bring that relationship back into unity so what had separated us, the sinfulness of us, and the holiness of God, once a year, the high priest came, offered that blood, and God said, it's good. Now, um, you may remember at Jesus crucifixion, the temple curtain ripping. That temple curtain is what separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And this temple curtain was very thick. We're told it was a hand breadth, so like, You know, a man's uh, hand, so like four to five inches, it was that thick. In fact, Josephus, who was a historian in the first century, said that if there had been a team of horses on one side of the curtain and a team of horses on the other side of the curtain, and they both started pulling, it would not have been strong enough to rip that curtain. And yet, at Jesus' crucifixion, when he said, It is finished, that curtain tore from top to bottom signifying there was no longer any separation between God and man. Our sin no longer separated us from the holy God. Everything he had done, he lived a perfect life. He obeyed all the commandments. And then he died in our place as the acceptable offering for our sin. That made the way for us to be in God's presence forever. That separation that we knew, sinfulness here and holiness here, no longer, no longer accounted for anything. And so the high priests were the people who once a year made the sacrifice for the people's sin. Now, Jesus didn't have to make a, a sacrifice year after year after year after year he made one sacrifice. It was his body. His holy, precious blood was the one sacrifice that we needed. And he, as our high priest acting on our behalf, offered what we couldn't to bring us at one with our heavenly father. So that is the The meaning of Jesus being our high priest, just understanding what all is packed into that that label that is given in this passage. But it's not just that. I mean, that in and of itself, if, if the passage said nothing else, that would be worthy of being a phenomenal passage. But it says that we have a high priest who empathizes with us. Some versions says, say sympathize with us. That means he can understand what we are going through. Why? Because he's been tempted in every way, just as we are. He left heaven, the perfection of heaven, where he was adored by angels, where Satan came and bowed before him. Satan coming into the presence of God knew who Jesus was, knew his power and authority. Satan understood that he was no match for God. In fact, I love, uh, I heard recently somebody say. We do such a disservice when we compare God and Satan. There's no comparison. God is not on the same level as Satan. God is so much higher. Satan is a fallen angel. If if you want a comparative, it would be Michael, the archangel. Satan does not have the power that God does. So anyway, Jesus left this position of power and authority and ruling. I mean, he created the heavens and the earth with God the Father. In addition to the Spirit being there, the, the Trinity together, worked together to create this world. Jesus keeps it running and sustained. And yet he left that place of glory to come to earth, to walk the walk that we have to to wrap himself in humanity so he would understand us. He gets it when you're tired, when you're overwhelmed. He gets it when you don't understand. One of the coolest things that God the Father allowed us to see is the fact that Jesus in the Garden of Eden, not Eden, sorry, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was going to his death so just before he was arrested had those hours in prayer when he was begging god for a different way like he knew the plan he understood the plan he had come to earth willingly to set the plan in motion and yet when he was at the cusp of going to this gruesome horrific death And bearing the weight of our sin in his humanity, he looked to what he was going to have to endure and he asked his father if there was another way. And when God the Father said nope, he went forward. He continued on, he completed the task, but not without that moment of feeling the depth of our humanity. He gets it when we are troubled, when we know what's ahead. And we look at that like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. He gets it. He's been there. So the fact that he's done it, he's lived it, he's been there, means that when we go to him in prayer, he says, yeah, I remember. I know. And he can do for us whatever it is that we need. You remember that when Jesus was there in the garden, angels were sent to strengthen him. It isn't so much that we're going to be able to avoid all the hard seasons in our life. That's We know that we're going to have trouble. We know that life is not going to be just fun and roses and good times. We know that when we live walking with Christ, We are going to suffer. We're going to suffer when we see those we love taking a different path and when we are going to God time and time again and begging him to work somehow in their hearts and their lives to turn them from their life of sin back to him. He knows we're going to suffer because we're in these frail human bodies that are going to experience sickness and weakness and growing old and all the things that quite honestly are are hard to even wrap our head around so so many times when you know I was in the nursing home oh god bless those people you know they look ahead to what they're experiencing and they're trying you know they're trying to keep walking or they're trying to keep some level of independence and they're seeing it slip away and it is a daunting thing to be in that in that situation and some of them knew you know, this was, this was the end. They were, they were encroaching upon death. And God knows, God knows, Jesus knows, even in his hours before death, he understands what it is to be scared. He understands to not want to go through what we have to go through in order to leave this world of sin and enter his presence. So when we pray to him and we say, God, help us, Jesus be with me, he knows, he knows, and he will strengthen us. And he knows just how to answer our prayers in just the right way to help us get through whatever it is that we are going through. Let us then approach the throne of grace. When we go to God, we go to a throne of grace, undeserved loved. How many times do you start praying to God and you know you don't deserve to be there? You have just fought with your children, or you have just succumbed to that sin that you said you were never going to do again. And you are going to God again and saying, Man, I blew it. I, uh, yeah, I thought I'd do better, and I didn't. But I'm coming to you because your throne is a throne of grace, of undeserved love. And then so that we may receive mercy. Mercy is when you know that you deserve punishment, but instead, God does not allow that. He withholds the punishment. So we're going to a high priest when we go in prayer to Jesus. We're going to a high priest, someone who went to God on our behalf, offered the sacrifice on our behalf to the throne of grace with confidence, so that we will receive mercy. Mercy. We don't have to pay for our sins because it's done and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is why Matthew, it says in Matthew one twenty three, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. All what? Matthew had just been talking about Joseph staying married to Mary, and the fact that Mary was now pregnant with this this child, that it wasn't Joseph's doing, it was the Holy Spirit. And an angel had come to Joseph in a dream and said, don't worry about this. Like, don't divorce her. It's, It's the Holy Spirit. She wasn't unfaithful to you. And then Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. What prophet? Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, 14 said the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas is about God with us. Jesus putting aside all his glory, putting aside all his authority to come to earth so that at the end of his life, when he had paid for our sin, when he rose from the dead, when he completed the mission, He could sit on his throne in heaven and he could continue to rule and reign. But he could be our advocate so that when we pray, he goes, yeah, I get it. Not that he ever fell into sin. He is the high priest who is blameless. So all the other high priests who came before him, they had to atone for their sin as well as the people's. So God doesn't get it when we when we go to him, Jesus isn't saying, I get it in terms of, yeah, I've blown it before too. No, he he gets it because he understands our humanity. He walked here on earth. He understands how it is to be weak and tired and overwhelmed and lonely. And he walked with his best friends who blew it time and time and time again. So he gets it. If there's any comfort to be had on Christmas, it's this. It's not just that Jesus came to earth. It's the work that he did while he was here and the work that he continues to do on our behalf in heaven until we get there. Before I go today, I just want to thank you for the wonderful gift that you've given me this year by being on this journey with me, by listening. And so many of you have emailed me or sent messages and... They are so encouraging to me. They're such a gift. I'd like to thank Pastor Shupi for once again reviewing my podcast this whole year. You are a dear, dear friend, even though we've never met personally. um, You're a dear friend and a wonderful encourager. And I'd love to thank Nia, my producer, for all the work that she's done. From all of us at Time of Grace, a very, very Merry Christmas. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.